Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer. It is a tremendous honor to be able to welcome you into the Peak Mind community and to share with you a very, very special day in my life and some incredible, incredible wisdom from none other than His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. Some three years ago now, I had the inspiration based off of some of the challenges I was going through in my personal life. Uh, My father, unfortunately, was diagnosed with dementia. And I did a deep dive into the brain and to neuroscience and ultimately into meditation. And someday I'll share this story in greater depth, but I had the inspiration to host His Holiness uh, and to share information around the virtues and benefits of meditation. I had seen uh, Harvard just released a study at the time on the cognitive benefits of meditation, the ability to decrease the size and activity of your amygdala, your fight or flight center, and increase the size and activity of your hippocampus, the center of your brain, which orients you towards creativity. And based on this research, I did a deep dive into health and wellness, and the resulting information is going to be this this show. Uh, My intention with Peak Mind is really to help you unlock your full potential by bringing you some of the world's greatest thought leaders. And so it's with great humility and honor that I share with you some of the information that I've been gathering over the last few years, starting appropriately enough with the launch of Peak Mind itself, which happened on the 4th of July, uh, 2015, with none other than His Holiness the Dalai Lama. And so during the course of this incredible summit, we had the honor to have Oscar winner and humanitarian Forrest Whitaker introduce His Holiness. During that introduction, he evokes Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa. He gives one of the most beautiful orientations and openings I've ever heard. And really grounded everyone into the incredible experience which was listening to His Holiness share uh, profound wisdom. I would say His words are evocative, but it was His way of being that was so meaningful uh, to me. I, After seven months of an incredible amount of work and faith and Uh, trust to see His Holiness walk into the venue which uh, me and my team had worked tirelessly on on preparing and creating. I I literally broke down into tears and had the good fortune of introducing His Holiness to my mother and my father and my sister and my community. It was a very intimate event, about 400 people in a beautiful outdoor setting. And the degree to which it was meaningful, I'll share on, a, on another occasion, but it was a life-changing event for me. And to be able to be in the presence of His Holiness literally brought me to tears. He exemplified a joyful exuberance and wisdom in a way that I've never experienced before. And being able to introduce him to my family was one of the great honors of my life. My, my mother um, who's a, a wise uh, and strong woman, uh, but one whom I've very rarely seen cry, literally started bawling. It was, a, it was a really profound experience for the family and for friends and for the community gathered on this beautiful day. And so it's really an honor to be able to share with you this incredible wisdom presented to us by His Holiness. I've broken the episode down into three parts so that it's really digestible. Um, it, was a, it was a beautiful summit, but it went for about two hours. And so this part one is the introduction by Forrest Whitaker. It was one of the most eloquent introductions I've ever heard. And so it's really an honor to be able to present that to you in this first episode, as well as a, an incredible um, music piece that was performed and dedicated 
to His Holiness by a good friend by the name of Tim Fain, who has worked with some of the great composers of our time, um, did the soundtrack for 12 Years a Slave. He does a really lovely piece, which uh, is really evocative of joy and set the tone for the day. And then His Holiness himself, in this first part of our presentation, really delves into the notion of freedom and into the possibilities inherent in the integration of the heart and the head and speaks on the notion of intelligence. And that notion of intelligence as an integrated orientation of the heart and the head um, was really something I've, I've sat with for some time. And I think this is an episode that I've gone back and listened to time and time again. And I, I hope you'll find tremendous value uh, in that which is shared. If you do find value, it would mean the world to me if you left a uh, review on iTunes as well as shared this with your friends. Uh, and subscribe on iTunes, on YouTube, wherever you find uh, podcasts. It would be uh, a great honor to me and to those who have worked so hard to bring this vision to life. Uh, It's my intention to share with you free content that can be utilized in your life to help unlock your full potential. I've spent the better part of the last three years interviewing some of the great thought leaders of our time, and I cannot wait to share their wisdom with you. And the way that that sees its greatest legs is if you subscribe, if you like, if you comment, and if you share. So it would mean the world to me if you went ahead and did that. It's my intention to always be improving, to always find ways to add more value to your life. And without further ado, it is my great and humble honor to introduce, on the occasion of his 80th birthday, at the launch of Peak Mind, His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. Sit down. Relax, relax. (laughs) We'd like to ask everyone to please take your seats. It's an absolute honor to be in the presence of His Holiness. It's a very special moment. Let's all take a moment to just ground ourselves and uh, appreciate where we are. It's my distinct pleasure to introduce uh, a gentleman many of us know by the name of Forrest Whitaker. He's not only an Oscar-winning uh, actor, but also a phenomenal humanitarian. Uh, He started a foundation and works with youth in South Sudan. He's also a UNESCO special envoy for peace and reconciliation. I can think of no better advocate uh, than than Forrest, and we were truly honored when when he agreed to accept the opportunity to introduce His Holiness. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Mr. Forrest Whitaker. We're gonna before before we go before we into start. the address, we're actually gonna take a moment for a special treat, which yeah. uh, Forrest is gonna lead. Uh, we have a very special opportunity to be in the presence of His Holiness the Dalai Lama uh, in the in the capsule of, of his birthday time. So we have the opportunity today to be able to celebrate him and to raise up our voices towards him, so he can feel our hearts by singing Happy Birthday. So, please, I'll start. Everyone, everyone stand, please, for a moment. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, His Holiness. Happy birthday to I don't know. 
I know only only thing is how to eat. <laughs> I think sit. Better sit, 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 sit. Your Holiness, it's an honor to wish you a very happy 80th birthday. And we'd now like to offer Forrest an opportunity to make remarks. It's, um, it's a privilege to be here um, in this uh, beautiful place with all of you sharing the love and the wisdom of His Holiness the Dalai Lama and what he's about to share with us. Um, I want to thank Michael Trainer, Peak Mind Foundation for inviting me here, Andrea, for giving me all of, all of us this once-in-a-lifetime experience to be here in his presence. It's uh, very special because today is the 4th of July and I couldn't imagine a better way to spend the 4th of July than being here. Because on the surface, it seems like a, a celebration of the United States. But yet, when um, I left Canada, uh, they celebrated their Independence Day on Wednesday. And then, next week, France will celebrate its Independence Day. When you take away all the fireworks and the festivities, what all these holidays are really about is, is about celebration of something simple and powerful, which is the principle that unites the entire human race. That all men and women are created equal. These are not static words that uh, are written on a parchment hundreds of years ago. These uh, are words that are of an ancient truth. They are a truth and whose meaning is constantly changing and evolving. Because in every age, in every part of this world, there are men and there are women who through their love and compassion and wisdom have expanded the understanding of what these words mean. Martin Luther King Jr. helped us understand that our common humanity means we must look past our superficial differences and discover what connects us deep down, deep down at our core and in our souls. Nelson Mandela helped us understand that our common humanity means that we can only achieve freedom if we forgive even those who have done us the greatest harm. Mother Teresa has us understand that our common humanity means that we have a commitment to help and to heal both our brothers and our sisters, no matter where we meet. And today on Independence Day, all of us have the tremendous honor of being able to learn and grow in the presence of someone who enlightens billions of people around the world a leader who illuminates our understanding of the powerful and eternal connections that we share as human beings. His holiness helps us understand our obligation to take care of our planet for our children and our grandchildren. His holiness helps us understand that together we must seek out divine truths that are around us in the world and inside of us. His Holiness helps us understand that through the kindness we show to others, every single one of us has the capacity to be a force of good that transforms our world into one of peace, to one of tolerance, to one of understanding. We all change the world every day. You do it each moment without even realizing it. Just in your breathing, there's an alchemy that happens when you breathe in the outer world and breathe out your inner world. Every breath you take transforms the very nature of the universe and the world. And it confirms your connection to the whole. And if you just add a drop of intention, a deep determination to shape the world around you, your desires will manifest themselves in your lives. So today when you meditate on this opportunity to be here with His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, your intention, your desires will be enlightened through your connection 
to one of the great leaders of our time, a person who has expanded our understanding of what freedom and equality mean, a person who inspires us, a person who inspires me every day to be more kind, to be more compassionate, to be more caring, to be more loving, to be more loving, to love. It is a profound honor and deep, deep, deepness of humility that I'm able to present to you His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama. open ourselves. His Holiness is going to give us the gift of, of leading us in meditation. But prior to that, we actually wanted to pay tribute to you through music, the universal language. And I'd like to invite to the stage uh, a wonderful musician by the name of uh, Tim Fain, who has done soundtracks for 12 Years a Slave, has worked with Philip Glass, who I also know as a friend, and uh, is here to pay tribute. Truly, truly an honor to be here today with, with His Holiness, with all of you um, in love and compassion. I'm going to play a piece for you called Arches, which is really just about how, um, how wonderful it is to be, to be alive.
And without further ado, we will now be honored by His Holiness leading us in a brief meditation. Brothers and sisters, indeed, I'm very happy to come to this place. Last few days uh, in a big city, <laughs> this quite so remote, and I think. When we come this kind of place, a lot of trees and green things, and we feel much closer to the nature. Big building. Sometimes a little bit sort of distance Distant. from nature. Like that. But we are usually produced by nature. I think our ancestors, their life is very much dependent on nature. So therefore, even these big buildings, I think almost everywhere, some artificial flower, <laughs> artificial sun, trees, of, trees, some greens there. <laughs> so <laughs> that means we still, you see, mentally or emotionally, we love these greens. Now here, not necessarily artificial, but real one here <laughs> of this. <laughs> so some kind of because of that. Atmosphere itself will bring us some kind of relax. Then, then of course, thank to those people who arrange this opportunity. Thank you. Then also, you see you, what's the day? You're singing. Singing. Harim. The music. The, the musician, love. And singing happy uh, birthday. Uh, so now, last, I think, almost, I think two weeks, everywhere, you see people say, happy birthday, happy birthday. <laughs> uh, so for me, nothing. <laughs> Actually, uh, of course, uh, everybody knows new eons, new century, uh, new decade, new year, and then new month, a new day. So from that viewpoint, each day is new birthday. And then birthday, we always celebrate uh, something for joyfulness. So that is symbolized the very purpose of our life, happy life, joyful life. No argument. I think even animals, insects, also I think they seek at least a short moment on that very day, be happy, less disturbances, less danger. I'm wondering, the one tiger there, so what, what kind of feeling in that particular tiger's mind? Anyway, no worry. Uh, day by day is food. We provide it. Anyway, as a prisoner, <laughs> no freedom of the movement freely. <laughs> So, so I don't know what kind of feeling. However, we human beings is in this special brain. 
So we have, I say, much ability to think from a wider perspective and also say long-term interest. And also because of this brain, memory, very, very powerful memory. And with the help of language or written language, even we reflect what happened past century, even past the millennium. Uh, millennium. Uh, millenniums, like that. So therefore, uh, we have something very special thing because of this brain. But sometimes, you see, we uh, you see, use that unique ability for destruction. That's very unfortunate. Like that, like a, their life, you should depend on eating other animals. One time in, I think, Hyderabad, in India, India, uh, there is some kind of open zoo, some tiger there, same area, some deers also there. Then I asked, oh, uh, any danger to deer by those tiger? Then they say, tiger, so fat, red. Well, when they are fed well, hmm? then they don't attack. So, uh, sometimes we human beings, <laughs> you, everything okay, but still more greed and <laughs> create some problems <laughs> to more people to animals also, like that. So now, the, my point is, this intelligence, a wonderful intelligence, combined with warm-heartedness, then that unique sort of inter intelligence become constructive. This intelligence, you see, combined with anger, hatred, fear, then they're a bit dangerous, not that. So now, warm-heartedness is a kind heart, or heart is a, a sense of concern of others' well-being. That experience, or that sort of, as of the mind okay. or consciousness is mental level, not sensorial level. Uh, in materialistic life, we, we, we are seeking satisfaction or joyfulness uh, mainly through sensorial level experiences. So it seems to see a modern lifestyle, music, and something kaza. Beautiful things, no? Uh, including spots for eye consciousness, music for ear consciousness, then smell, or taste, touch including sex. These are sensory level experiences. So since we have this ability, you see, uh, firstly, making distinction. Right. Sensory level experience and mental level experiences. So mental level experiences, let's say, uh, it remain, I think, 24 hours. Certain sort of uh, experience, mainly external uh, 
rotting and because of the true sensory, true sensory, true sen sensory experiences. Hmm? It remains short. So long. Uh, nice sort of things, seeing, you get some satisfaction. When that gone, just a memory. And music also. While the music going on, you get some satisfaction. The music, like, just like that. Few minutes, few minutes ago, so while the music, you see the being played, played. You see, you get some kind of sort of satisfaction or joyfulness. Now, only memory. So now, since we have this uh, unique, uh, marvelous brain, so we have to pay more attention about mental level. Now, it seems our mental, the mental sort of... Mental sort of, level. Ah. Mental level experience, no. Now, then the yilu, when the nubashibu shibu jari de yine, yilu di ombu shibu chayao suru tautikitu. So, uh, although we as human beings have this the second dimension of experience, which is not sensory, but at the level of mind, uh, which is a very powerful resource, but most of the time, that dimension of our experience is somehow overshadowed by our sensory experiences. So now, you see, in order to uh, utilize mental level experience. Uh, now, single pointed sort of thinking. Uh, then you fully absorbed a certain experience in the mental level. Then these sensory level consciousness become inactive. Like that. So, uh, ordinary people, or by nature, so our main mind, you see, always sort of moving. And particularly through sensorial experience, always attraction. Now, deliberately, try to consider, reduce. Reduce. <laughs> So most of the time, for a lot of us, our minds tend to be very distracted. It's so externally oriented. So part of the practice of training the mind involves learning to withdraw our attention, attraction to the sensory experiences and bringing it and channeling it to our own mental level experience so that you bring greater focus. So, in Sanskrit word, uh, shamatha, single-pointed meditation, also focusing on particular uh, object. Chosen object, a chosen uh, object. There, chi, the kasoripuge, the churchi, namba yilishani, timmitin sunyachik, so, in this type of uh, mental training, referred to as cultivation of tranquility or uh, calmness of the mind, um, you know, basically what one is doing is to cultivate focused attention for which you need to choose a specific object. And the object could be an external object like a flower that you cultivate an image and then use that as your object and cultivate single-pointedness on it. Or it could be an internal object, such as an experience of feeling. So one can choose different types of object. The or consciousness is, itself. Or consciousness itself, the experience of consciousness itself. And then you cultivate kind of a focused attention on that chosen object.
so more, of course, naturally more difficult, but more useful. Hmm. Yes, you see, meditate on mind itself. In order to do that, firstly, you see, we have to get some kind of image of mind. That, you see, the sensorial level sort of activities, you see, deliberately try to stop. Then these sensorial level sort of experience with that certain mental sort of the mind is limited. Namju sense the kongeshive thane chik naondamada chade bade yedi yilut matu skubshara soshtwa. So when we are trying to cultivate a focused attention on mind itself, it is a quite a difficult task because initially you have to try to kind of you know uh, have an understanding of what mind is. And if you introspect, you know, look at what mind is. Generally, our conception of mind and our experience of mind is so externally oriented. It always seems to be about something. So you know, so the actual experience of mind itself is overshadowed by the sensory kind of overlaying. So part of that practice or technique involves learning to disengage from sensory activity. So as you do that gradually, you will, once in a while, you will get a sense of some kind of absence. Because once you disengage from your sensory activity, what is left is this experience of absence. So initially that kind of you know experience of absence may be very, very short, just very fleeting. But as you learn to habituate in this practice, that absence that you experience could be, you know, kind of increase in its scope, so that you get a, at some point you get a sense of a kind of a clarity uh, of that mind, and in that way you will be able to have a sense of what actual consciousness is, what mind itself is. Hmm. It's not, not easy. Take time, <laughs> but possible. You see, gain that kind of experience. Uh, so modern people, you see, want everything immediately. <laughs> it is impossible. <laughs> Myself, now, I think nearly 50, 60 years, I also, you see, try to sort of, what's it, uh, gain some experience of that practice, but still difficult. Mm. And then another, uh, what's it there? We call meditation. Meditation. Analytical meditation. Analytical. Analytical. Investigate, investigate. Uh, for example, impermanence. So when we, and when we reach here, we say now that event, not just memory, past. It's already gone. Yeah. No. So, in a day, it's an afternoon, now morning, already gone. Uh, so, that, and then uh, must take place within hours, minutes, or seconds. So momentarily changing. That's the time. So this momentariness of all things, they're, they're never static. That is a subtle um, 
aspect of impermanence. So these, uh, you need some sort of analyze. Yes, obvious change there. That's obvious now. Now, how it, it take place? The momentarily changing. So then through that way, you see, you get some understanding about impermanence, uh, impermanence a certain level, oh. impermanence. Then there are many sort of different, any object. Now, for example, the student in the class is a fully concentrate but the subject is some kind of uh, shamatha meditation, some yeah, I mean, even in classes, when we pay focused attention, there is an element of meditative state of mind there. Mm -hmm. uh, then, analyze. Any knowledge, firstly, through hearing some knowledge. Then that, uh, further investigate by yourself, and some kind of sometimes to say experiment. Uh, so then you get some kind of conviction. That is samjung. Uh, There's another level of knowledge, knowledge gained through critical reflection. Uh, then third level, now actually gain some experience. Uh, that's third level of knowledge samura. It's a first hearing, second analyze or contemplation, then third experience or experience like that. So therefore, you know, uh, now that we call analytical meditation. According to my experience, analytical meditation is very very helpful. In any, any field, any sort of matter, you see, in order to know uh, that more fully, right? fuller picture, analytical meditation. And when you take analytical meditation, not just from one angle, but from different angles, then you get the clearer picture of the whole uh, reality. Uh, whole reality. So I think many uh, the problems which actually our own creation, I think in most cases, you see the lack of full of knowledge about the reality. Uh, then, so without knowing the full picture of the reality, then, uh, you see, you also do also the approach. Uh, approach. Your approach become unrealistic. Then often you see fail. So in order to carry realistic approach, firstly, you have to know the reality fully. So in order to uh, know the reality, then from so the various angles, uh, then also you, when you investigate, you see your mind must be neutral. If you carry investigation with certain de strong desire or negative feeling, you can't see the reality. Uh, so, you know, we must take, because we must carry investigation objectively, like that. So that's what we call vipassana. Insight, insight meditation. Mm -hmm. So then, now that kind of, firstly, I think, uh, compassion is a sense of concern of others' well-being. We all equipped that because we are social animal, because we, the way we, because of the born and grown up, because of that, you see, we all equipped the because of compassion of the mind, we all have. Not only we, human being, but animal also. Animal, those, you see, they are, because of the survival. Uh, in initial stage, their survival entirely depends on others' care. 
and this is the infection there biologically. So now we, because of this intelligence, the biological factor sort of was the infection, compassion, take as a seed, then use this intelligence. It's a further increase. So now here, let us meditate on what you call compassion or the sense of concern of others' well-being. When we talk at the sense of as a well-being of others, now here, not only your own relatives or family member or your relative. Friends. Or friends. Or friends. Now, directly or indirectly, we all related with entire seven billion human beings. So now here, we really need a sense of concern of seven billion human beings' well-being. A lot of problems which we are facing is actually too much emphasis on a secondary level of differences, including religious faith and color or different nationality or different concept. Ideology. Political, economic, different concept. So these are secondary level. Yes, these secondary level differences, I mean, important, but basically, we are human beings, seven million human beings, all human beings, all have right to achieve happy life, happy birthday. <laughs> Everybody, isn't it? I think particularly children, I think they, they love their happy birthday, isn't it? <laughs> with, with some gift. <laughs> like that. So now let us, you see, think. Uh, the genuine sense of concern of seven billion human beings is something uh, very relevant to today's world. If we promote, promote, ah, promote love, promote, you see that through education, then definitely man-made problem certainly can reduce. On secondary level differences, I understand, but still Basically, we are the same human being. Uh, and then respect individual freedom, individual right. So America is the leading nation of free world. So you already, because of the experience, this, because of the respect individual's freedom. right of freedom, like that. So these uh, uh, constitution give us equality, not that way. Uh, mentally, emotionally, we should have strong belief. We all same human being. We all have same right, and individuals' future depend on the rest of the world. So through that way, deliberately try to cultivate or try to because of the strengthening, Strengthen. the sense of concern of the well-being of seven billion human being. Okay, then environment also automatically come. The world is the, the seven billion human beings' home. So we have to take care. And then also some birds, uh, these kasa, uh, animals, something like dangerous for the world. They're almost like kind of ornaments. Hmm? So then automatically you see develop respect like that. His Holiness the Dalai Lama, part one of the Peak Mind Summit, evoking all seven billion humans around the world, as well as our interdependence with all things, including the animals and nature. And in this next chapter, he goes into meditation and he talks about uh, different types of meditation, loving kindness meditation, vipassana meditation. But it's actually quite rare, I'm told, that he goes into the type of talk that he went into um, in regards to meditation and the mind vehicles that we can utilize to become our best selves. So please um, check out the next episode of 
Peak Mind. Uh, it goes into His Holiness leading a very unique meditation. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see the video, please uh, go ahead and subscribe at peakmind.org. And please, please, please uh, like, share, comment, and subscribe to Peak Mind on iTunes, on YouTube, on all relevant social channels. It's our great pleasure to bring this content to you, and it's our hope that it can be shared and seen and benefited by people all around the world, and you make that happen by leaving us a review and sharing your thoughtful feedback. Uh, Greatly appreciate you tuning in for the first episode of Peak Mind, and please uh, tap into episode number two, where His Holiness will go into leading meditation, and then in the third uh, episode, he will do a Q&A with some really profound answers to some of the questions from the audience. I can't wait to share it with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Go out and live your inspired life.